there's some names that you don't know and there's some that you do i'm gonna tell you which ones you should we'll do it in just a second here on today's episode of locked on jaguars you are locked on jaguars your daily jacksonville jaguars podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day Happy, happy Monday to you and what is going on. Welcome to the Locked On Jaguars podcast. I'm Tony Wiggins, the host of said Locked On Jaguars podcast, where it's your team every day. And we thank you for making us your first listen. A quick reminder, we are free to subscribe to at our YouTube page. It is Locked On Jaguars, the entire word. Make sure you tap in, lock in, like, drop a comment and hit the bell so you get notifications whenever we drop another episode which is daily because it's your team every day. And wherever you listen to your podcast, if you just listen to audio podcasts, make sure you tap in so that you don't miss a daily episode. I want to give a shout out to our sponsors for today's show. And that is Bird Dogs, man, with these comfortable shorts. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on NFL or enter the promo code locked on NFL for a white tech hat with any order. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Somebody told me I look fine the other day in my bird dogs. And I agree. They do make me look rather svelte for um, someone like me to say that means a lot. Shout out to my everydayers. Thank you for coming here every single day, listening to Locked On Jaguars and paying attention to the content. Without you, there's no us. And if you want to be an everyday, all you got to do is do what everydayers do. And that's come back every day. And I think I've said every day more times in 15 seconds than I'm allowed to. But. That's what it is. Welcome to today's show. All right, let's get to the goods, man. Camp surprises at critical conditions. Devon Wilson. It's a name that I have not mentioned very much, but it's a name that the coaches mentioned, and uh, specifically defense coordinator Mike Caldwell is a guy who has really, really stepped up. He's number 27. He's tall. He looks longer than he really is. He's about six feet tall, according to um, – he's a rookie from Central Florida, six feet, 195 felt but long and, and plays well he has a real good number too number 27 is a really really good number for a db uh eric hallett eric hallett's number 40 that's not a great number for a db but he's also versatile he's 511 190 another rookie out of pittsburgh who has been mentioned and i talked to someone the other day they mentioned his name too with the same gusto that uh mike caldwell talked about devod wilson but these are the names that i talked about there are going to be some camp surprises at critical conditions everybody is worried about that slot that nickel corner and that slot position because they are concerned that if we roll out there again with trey herndon that we're going to be limited especially when we go in the man to man a little bit um we'll have to see we'll have to see the preseason is going to be huge for those two two guys and i'll elaborate on that a little bit more but the names that you don't know, and I told everybody who would listen to me that when camp started, there were going to be some surprises. There were going to be some names. There were going to be just out of the blue folks that people would mention. Now, what that also means is this. There's probably going to be some names that you know that are going to be bumped off a little bit. For those guys to make the final 53, they're going to have to push and nudge some other people out of the door 
we have to evaluate that and look at that and we'll do all of that today like if they make it whose lunch money are they taking because that's the nature of the nfl it's 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 a reality of it so it seems really ugly to think about it but this is what happens every single year has been going on forever right everybody has been talking about when the turk comes knocking well the turk doesn't come knocking if someone doesn't catch their eye and uh there are a lot of factors that go into that we'll discuss that also want to find out if you guys think it's smooth enough because i got a news flash for you and we'll talk about this in segment two all of the veteran free agent edge rushers are signing for one-year deals like uh houston signed um yesterday uh with carolina he was one of the guys you, you heard the name you heard houston you heard Ngakwe. you heard all of these dudes right well as it turns out I think the Jaguars, when they re-signed Dewan Smoot, I think that was their veteran free agent signing at that position. Now, you wonder, uh, one of my boys, Brandon, hit me up this morning and said, that's not enough. Not my point. The point is, is we always talk about the allocation of funds. Justin Houston is the name that I'm talking about. We always talk about how funds are allocated, right? When they gave Dewan Smoot a deal that had him making about $6 million per year, that told me that that was the splash. Now, I know they retained him, so it's different than them going out and signing somebody new, but not really because he wasn't under contract anymore, right? So when, when they, I guess, were satisfied with his health, they made a choice to sign him and not other people. And everybody was saying that they're letting the market go dry. They're not signing anybody. Well, actually, they did. They signed Dewan Smoot. And I know there's some people that want to debate with me whether he's an edge rusher or an inside guy. He's both, and I'll tell you more about that in segment two and then i'll talk about an edge rusher that everybody seems to want to get rid of that obviously somebody has a lot of love for it and that's caleb on chase on but back to the camp surprises i know people wanted to see a camp surprise at edge but if you read the literature that i did on this uh, for this particular show there are two positions that folks went into the offseason clamoring for new people that was edge rusher depth as well as a slot corner, a guy who can play safety or can play corner in a pinch and could be in the slot. The case in point, folks wanted an edge rusher and folks wanted a corner in the draft. It was the branch kid out of Alabama. You remember all of that buildup? In 70-some-odd percent of the mocks, Andre Branch, was that his name? The branch kid was the pick. He was he was the pick. He was everybody's uh choice to be a jacksonville jaguar and i told anybody in their brother who would who who would who would listen that i didn't think that the jaguars were going to use a first round pick on a player on a player that was not necessarily guaranteed to be a full-time starter and when you're a nickel in the nfl you're not a full-time starter even though even though there are more teams and you play more snaps in nickel teams can really if you think about it teams can really really uh prevent you from getting in the nickel i'll tell you how they can do it because it's going to play into when we talk about those edge rushes too all they got to do is sit there and run the ball run the football brian branch he was actually chosen by detroit um a team that keeps picking guys that the jaguar fans clamor for but uh yeah he went 45th in the middle of the second round so the thing is is that i, I try to warn everybody 
It's not necessarily about positional value. This whole time when I, I, I was saying, man, I want them to retain Juwan Taylor. And folks were getting all over me is because they said, we could cost too much money. How much is too much? They said 20 million is too much. Uh, I would have gave him 17 and a half, 18. So for that $2.5 million, let me, let me explain something to you. The absence of Juwan Taylor means they had to go draft another player at the same position. Well, if they use that pick on that position, it's not like they didn't have more picks, but obviously up top you have a priority, right? If they use the pick there on a position that they could have kept filled by just overpaying it a little bit, then they could use that draft pick on another position, one of the two that all of y'all keep clamoring for them to take more people. This is one of the reasons why I say you can fuss and nitpick and argue about every little point, and eventually you're arguing against yourself because everybody wants a nickel, everybody wants more edge rush, but every single time that they empty out a spot and they make it another priority that sort of pushes down those positions because they want starters, then it, it actually hurts the cause that you want them to do. So we're going to look and see if, if Dewan Smoot is enough. Obviously, they're looking for one of those guys I mentioned at the top of the draft. I mean, at the top of the show, Devon Wilson, as well as Eric Hallett. They are opening the door, and it is a real, real invitation for one of those players to take somebody's lunch money. And I'm telling you, they are clamoring. They, they might not say it because it's probably a little bit unethical for them to do so. But let me explain something to you. They really, really want someone to win those positions. And we can sit here all day and think, well, are they rooting against their own guys? I, I wouldn't necessarily call it that, but I will tell you this. The door is wide open for somebody new to take one of those spots. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that in just a second here on Locked On Jaguars. Let me explain something about bird dogs. Bird dogs actually make – I have a nice shape. I, I, don't, I don't care who – my wife thinks I'm fine, right? But these shorts actually have guys like telling me, dude, you look different. You look good. Because you know why? They make you look good because they have stretch khaki shorts that are designed to be a slimmer fit through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Look, man. There's pictures of me standing talking to Shaq Khan at practice. Those shorts that I have on, those gray ones, those are bird dogs. They keep you cool. They're not overly tight or invasive in certain areas. I'm telling you, bird dogs are the truth. So go to birddogs.com slash locked on NFL or enter the promo code locked on NFL for a free white tech hat with your order. That's birddogs.com locked on NFL promo code locked on NFL for a free white tech hat. You won't want to take them off, I promise you, because they look absolutely perfect. They already take perfection and make it a little bit better. So make sure you go to birddogs.com and tap in with the greatest shorts I've ever worn in my life. All right, we're going to run it down here in segment two. We're going to tie this all together. You know, the edge rush and the defensive back play are synonymous, right? We know that. If you get a good edge rush and you get really good play from the de uh, defensive backs, you probably end up getting more sacks, right? One without the other, not so much. The, the results aren't the same. And those happen to be the two positions that everyone was more concerned about 
they they love the safeties. They love Tyson Campbell on one side. Darius Williams is really good outside. So they were worried about that slot because there were some games where that slot and guys running these little drag routes kind of killed them a little bit. And there were other games where they didn't knock the quarterback off of his square enough or get him to move enough. And it led to Doug Peterson even saying in the offseason that what they needed to, to improve was pass rush. I'm going to explain something to you and break it down. This comes from this is not me just pulling something out of the air. This is basically basically me taking I'm encapsulating a bunch of conversations I've had with people who wear official shirts for a living. The change of personnel was not necessarily or an upgrade of personnel to talent is not necessarily the only way to improve the pass rush. One way you can improve the pass rush, and I'll quote, and I'm not going to tell you who I quoted, is having guys who understand what they need to do and where they want to do it and not just be thinking for themselves because they're in a contract year. Even though Josh Allen is in a contract year, I don't think they have a problem with that. I think there's a there's a, this bit of pressure on guys to prove their draft status, to 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 put paper, to put numbers on paper that that make people uh, want to you know covet them in free agency. And it reminds me of a question that I asked Trayvon Walker about him just breaking out of the scheme and just letting it rip. And he says, I'll never do that because I want my job. That comes from somewhere. That comes from somewhere. I think there's a belief in that locker room that it wasn't more of a personnel issue as opposed to it being a group think issue where everyone's doing exactly what they're supposed to do in the right timing not that people had bad motives not that folks um weren't thinking the right way for the right reason or not that people were being selfish it, it's more of like wanting to do it so bad that you don't realize that all you have to do is do your job wanting to do something to help the team so bad which obviously would help you individually is that you did not do things the right way. Now, only the coaches that break down the film who actually ask these guys to do what they want to do and who watch the eye in the sky, only they really know. Maybe former players who played the game um, can can look at a play and, and, and can tell you, I see them do it all the time. They'll tell you uh, why a person did what they did and how, you know, all of this stuff. It still doesn't account for whether or not that person is actually taught correctly or uh, effectively by the staff. I do think another year of familiarity. I do think bringing back the same people and getting them back involved could be a solution. And one of the reasons I brought this up today was all weekend after Yannick Ngakwe signed for $10 million, which I told people he was going to get that kind of money. He wasn't going to sign for 5 or $6 million. And then after Justin Houston left the market, which leaves the market really, really bare as far as going out and getting a veteran that you know, I think people are talking about Melvin Ingram or whatever. The, the one thing I, I, I kind of think went by, just kind of snuck by people is Dewan Smoot was just not a re-signing. Dewan Smoot was, I think, a choice. They look at the guy that they know and they're familiar with and a bunch of guys they don't. They understand his workflow. He's very unselfish. He's versatile. He can go down. He can stand up. He can go inside a little bit on passing downs. 
the, his only problem was the issue was he was coming back from an Achilles injury. I guess the medicals checked out and he's back out there right now doing his thing. And they made that choice. They chose him over, over Ngakwe. They chose him over uh, Justin Houston. They chose him over all of those people because they know him and they're familiar with him and they like what he does. That was the veteran signing and whether or not you think it's enough or not really doesn't matter because if they had one, I call it a mid-level, that's an NBA term. But if they had a one-year deal for six to $7 million on the board and the guys that were asking for 10, they were asking for 10 because they think they're worth more than 10 or they, they, they think that's the minimum of what they were. They were asking for that also because they had the numbers to back it up. They're also asking for that because they anticipate playing enough to justify giving them that type of money. If the Jaguars aren't looking for a guy to play that much, they're not going to pay a guy and then have him standing over there as an assistant coach making $10 million. So their range was the $6 million range. And who understands that more than Dewan Smoot? And that's the range. And, and that's that range, that money is indicative of the playing time that he has had over the last couple of years. And it's a role that he's used to. And it's a role that they're used to with him. So the question is, how do you expect to get better if you just stood pat and then you didn't replace Arden Key? From within, Kayla Von Chason, Jordan Smith, and I know everybody is, half of y'all probably done hit breaks and gotten into the emergency lane and you're hitting your hazards saying like, I can't believe he's bringing up Kayla Von Chason. It's not me that's making the decisions, it's the Jaguars. I can't believe he's bringing up Jordan Smith who sat out. He's only doing that because he knows Jordan Smith. No, I'm not. I'm just telling you, those are the guys that are on the roster fighting for the fifth and sixth spot. And so is Dixon. Even though they said they're going to play him a little bit down. Maybe they're going to play him a little bit down because they plan on playing Smoot more up. All right. Dewan Dixon, Deshaun Dixon, 6'4", 247. Looks a little bit bigger than that. So maybe they want those guys with that versatility. Maybe that's why they slimmed down Adam Gostas a little bit. And he is out there doing his thing. They also picked up Michael Dogby, who is a 6'3", 280-pound guy. And they drafted Tyler Lacey, who's 6'4", 279. So maybe that big end, four-down lineman end spot, maybe they're going to fill it in with those guys and they're going to have DeJuan Smoot be more of a stand-up guy like he did in college. He gained a little weight last year, I'm sure, he probably lost some weight coming back from that Achilles. So what if he's around 265, 270, and they say this is how we're going to use him instead of going out? The bottom line is once they signed into that money, they were not going to sign anyone else to that type of money. They just weren't. I want to talk about Caleb Vine because I know everybody is – is every time I mention Caleb, I know every time somebody mentions Caleb Vaughn to me, I think about that video with him out there on that beach, and I just – for some reason, I just can't get past it. And I know everybody else probably does the same thing. I'm not going to cape up for the Jaguars here, and I'm not going to sit here and, and try to make y'all understand. But I'm going to give you their side of it a little bit. <laughs> I'm going to try anyway. I'll do it just a second here on Locked On Jaguars. Football season is about to kick off and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long because right now when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl and you'll get bonus bets for every victory. 
And you can use your bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sports book. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Listen, take some time to visit FanDuel and include money lines, props around your team. You will absolutely be advantageous to do that. FanDuel.com slash locked on. All right, so I'm going to try to do something here that, that that might be impossible. That's to try to convince you guys that the Jaguars are hell-bent on making Caleb Von Chason a player. So Caleb Von Chason was chosen in the same draft as C.J. Henderson. At that time, Trent Baalke was on staff, but he was not the chief decision-maker. That was Dave Caldwell. So we wondered this whole time, well, since he was there, who did he like and who did he didn't? One of the first things he did when he took over full-time GM, when Urban Meyer was here as the coach, is trade C.J. Henderson. I don't know if that's a, a factor or if that's an indicator. Well, he never liked him in the first place. Or once he got into the building, he, you know, he felt like he really wasn't Urban's guy. Maybe Urban wanted him gone. I have no clue, right? But I will tell you this. Trent Baalke does not seem like the kind of person who's going to keep somebody he doesn't like. We talked about the the, the uh, Oliver, the tight end, Josh Oliver, how he traded him without even giving him a chance so they could sign Tim Tebow. I don't know if the reason they traded, they got rid of him was because they uh, wanted to sign Tim Tebow. This is what they did. But I know this. They chose him as the guy to get rid of. So they didn't even give Urban a chance to evaluate him. Thank God we don't that probably wouldn't have gone well either, knowing what we know now. But I will tell you this. I don't think think Trent Balky, I think Trent Balky is the kind of guy to keep somebody he drafted, like um Smith. Number 92. He's not signing a whole bunch of people right now because he's invested in his draft picks. And he's not hedging his bets. And that's something that I said last week that I was actually impressed by. Doesn't mean I agree with him. But I am impressed by the fact that someone is that convicted about doing their job correctly and scouting and selecting that they're not doubling down. That they're not saying, okay, if it doesn't work, we got a backup plan. Because those backup plans cost you money. And you just can't do it. You just can't. You can't trade for Daniil Hunter without admitting that either Trayvon was drafted too high or out of position or that Josh Allen ain't worth what you're paying him. Who wants to make that admission? I mean, they, folks just don't do that, right? They don't. So maybe this is why when Doug Peterson said that the, the thing that they needed to protect was do was to get better at was protection. I mean, uh, attacking the quarterback. But then they don't go out and add anyone. Maybe what he was saying is we need to coach better. And in saying that, there's something about Caleb on chase on and all coaches think this way. Don't y'all think for one minute that they don't look at size, speed, work ethic, 
measurables. The kid was a first-round pick. Whether you like it or not, he was in everybody's top 40, so he had all of those things. The other thing is most of the guys in the scouting department were in the scouting. They were in the world of scouting a few years back, and maybe they also had a high opinion of him. Doug Peterson was actually still coaching, I believe, when Caleb Vaughn came out. Maybe in the draft process, him and his people liked him. Maybe Mike Caldwell liked him when he was coaching, whether it was in Philly or Tampa, wherever he was, and maybe they all liked him during the draft process. And he has not done it on the field. He averages one sack per year. But coaches are always the people that believe that they can bring out the absolute best in every single player. I mean, why else would they keep him? I know somebody might bring up the the, the uh, if they don't do the fifth-year option, which is probably not, and he goes out and somebody signs him to a free agency deal that because he was a first-round pick that there's this high compensatory draft pick. I was told by someone who would know that the whole talk about compensatory picks, while it's real and while some guys do value that more than others, I was told by someone that it is totally overplayed by a lot of people in the media that folks on these teams don't really talk about that the way I think it's something um, a lot of the analytics guys and a lot of people that look to get, look at the game a certain way, or maybe some people have talked to someone who values that. But the, basically the way I was told was that doesn't factor in our decision-making process as, as much as people make it out to. And what it is, is if you lose more players than you sign in free agency, you'll get compensatory picks. And the compensatory picks usually either match up with, I think it's where they were drafted when when you acquired them, or it it means like where or how productive they were. I guess I, I don't I, I really I really don't understand it as much uh, to, to really dispute it. Other than the fact that I'll tell you that someone who had been in the NFL for 25 years told me, yeah. That's overblown. Nobody worries about that that much. Not saying that people don't, but as a whole, it's not that big of a deal. The bottom line is, can he play or, or can he play? So when I look at, I'm going to look at over the cap here real quick and tell you, I don't think they lose any money if they cut him or let him go. Most of the bonus has already been paid unless it was a guaranteed um unless it was a guaranteed salary this year, or sometimes they don't give uh, bonuses to people. So I, I got it pulled up right here. I'll tell you, he signed a four-year deal. He's accrued three years on that four-year deal. His cap number uh, this year is $4.26 million. Dead money, there it is. If you make a if you make a pre-June first cut, his debt money is 4.62. It's his salary. So apparently his salary is guaranteed. Yeah, apparently his salary is guaranteed. He got a $7.265 million signing bonus, which is amortized. Um the prorated amount is 1.86. He has a guaranteed salary of 2.4 million, and then you have to add in the money that they've already given him which is 1.8. So it's 4.26 million guaranteed, basically 2.4 because the bonus is already gone. You're going to pay him regardless. If you cut him, you still got to pay him. He's going to get that money. Period. 
The 2.4 million is his salary. That's what he's getting. So, and there may be some offset language in it. Like if you cut him and somebody else signs him for the league minimum, if somebody else signs him to a $1 million deal, maybe, maybe that's cut off at the end. But there may be some truth to the fact that if we're paying him, we're paying him anyway. Let's just keep him until the end of the year. Let him play special teams or let him let's see if we can pull something out of him. Because the thing we'd hate to do is cut him and then we're paying him most of his money. And then he goes somewhere else and they're able to coach him up and we couldn't. And yet and they get five sacks out of him. People tried that for years with guys like Barkevius Mingo. Ironically, you know, he's from LSU is also I'm not saying anything against LSU. But there have been a lot of players that were first-round picks that folks kept giving them a chance. Why should we let somebody else have a chance to, to get his career going when we're the ones paying him, regardless if he's here or not? So the at worst, he's costing you a roster spot. Getting rid of him ain't going to help him get you nobody else because his money's already guaranteed. That factors in it is more than anything. And plus, I think off the field, they really, really like every time you bring his name up to somebody, they smile, man. Every time I bring his name up to fans, they laugh. But every time I bring his name up to someone who is a part of that decision making process, they smile and they like, yeah, man, like I heard he is a hard working guy. And 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 regardless of how we all feel about him or make jokes. They they like him for some reason. I know it's not pity or sympathy, but I really think coaches all think that they can fix anybody. We'll see if they can do it with him. I had a quick uh, recap. Camp surprises at critical positions. We talked about edge and names that you know. You want some other people, but unfortunately, you're not going to get this. I think the best chance y'all have of getting an extra edge is having Jordan Smith develop and Trayvon improving. That's that, those are the best two things. And then scheme, schematically, everybody gets to know. We talked about the uh, uh, Eric Hallett as well as Devon Wilson, two guys that may upset some people and win some roster spots. Guys like Trey Herndon and Chris Claybrooks, they got to watch themselves. Even Monteric Brown, they might find themselves without a job. So we'll see how it all turns out. Hopefully you'll turn out with me again Every single day here on Locked on Jaguars, we're at your team every day. We always thank you for being an everyday and making us your first listen. Until next time, you guys, make sure you take care of yourself. We'll see you here on Locked on Jaguars.